My name is Jason Doldine, and I'm the host of Reaching Roots, a podcast with a goal to make life easier for parents and families so they can reach further. We're talking to people who inspire us with their journey, tell us about the problems they are solving, and provide us insight that helps us and our children learn and grow. STEM is science, technology, engineering, and math, critical requirements for several of today's well-paid careers. Introducing your children to simple STEM ideas at an early age can prepare them to be more successful in life. STEM-based education teaches children more than science and math. It focuses on hands-on learning and real-world applications to help develop broader skill sets that include creativity, problem solving, acceptance of failure, entrepreneurship, and innovation. Stephanie Ryan is the author of Let's Learn About Chemistry. Inspired by her son and her love for chemistry, she wrote this creative and fun book to introduce young kids to the key concepts and vocabulary of science using everyday objects. This book ignites curiosity in your children and makes it easy to introduce the basic foundations of science. Stephanie Ryan is also the CEO of Stephanie Ryan Consulting, where she provides services to schools for curriculum development, assessment, training staff, and other research projects. Stephanie earned her PhD in the Learning Sciences from the University of Illinois at Chicago, her master's from the University of Illinois, and her bachelor's from St. Mary's College. In this episode, we talk to Stephanie about the importance of STEM education and how your children can begin their journey of learning science. Welcome, Stephanie. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. So Stephanie, tell me a little bit about yourself and how you, um, I guess, came to love science and write this book. That's a long story. It's my whole life. Um, (laughs) So uh, my dad was an engineer when I was a kid, and he just really wanted us to be interested in science. Um, And it was also a time where it was girls in science programs. They just were all over the place in the the late 80s. And I was part of all of them. (laughs) So uh, it was something I've always been really good at the school formula of getting the A because I had the facts and I studied for the tests. I knew what would be on the test. Um, and it was just really easy for me and kind of boring. Um, and science was hard. <laughs> it was not easy and it was very challenging. And I really liked it because of that. And I really liked that it helped explain things around me and that you really had to think for your answers. And it wasn't something I just got for a book. And that's how I really got into chemistry. Right. And now, was it kind of your father pushing you into it? Or do you feel like you had kind of this um, self-driving motivation for it? I'll be honest, in the beginning, it was probably my father pushing me. Um, and it wasn't until I, I took a step back and like, wait, I really like this one. You know, like I like biology and I like chemistry a lot. It's um, I did have a knack for it. And luckily that worked out and I wasn't pushed into something I didn't like. But a lot of it was my my dad and my mom pushing. But a lot of it came from my dad. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. I mean, you know, Obviously, as parents, we all want our children to learn STEM because 
you know, whether true or false, I mean, it seems like there's a lot of jobs out there that pay fairly well um, if you're trained in science, technology, engineering, or math. Um, so, you know, it's, I, I'm sure your, your father was sort of pushing the same thing. I think that with STEM jobs, um, I heard a statistic, I cannot verify it. Um, it's something along the lines of like, we're preparing kids for jobs that don't exist anymore. They're not here yet. And so it's like, wow, you're right. Like we really kind of are. And a lot of the jobs that are out here today didn't exist when I was a kid learning all of this. And that's the way I kind of like to think about STEM is that we're not really preparing any content knowledge, not specific pieces, but certain ways of thinking about things and solving problems. And I think that's a, a really fun way to approach it. That's a little different than it was when I was a kid. Yeah, it makes sense. So how old do you think kids need to be for them to start to grasp some of these concepts around science? I don't think you have to be very old at all. And I think that we see that. And I didn't learn this until I was a parent. Um, I thought, you know, like middle school, you teach some science and you start to build. But I was watching my son play and he was sorting his toys by color and orange is his favorite color, always has been, yeah. probably always will. And he had a stack of all of his orange toys and those are his favorite. And I thought to myself, wow, if kids can classify at this early age, I wonder what else we could do with this. And because a lot of chemistry, especially first semester chemistry is classification where it's, is this an element or a substance? Is this pure? Is it a mixture? Is it, you know, an atom or a molecule? Um, and that really got me thinking that you can teach a lot of this pretty early and like what a solid, a liquid and a gas is. We don't need to talk about how those molecules are moving and they don't have to draw them, but to know that this is a solid, I think you could teach that pretty, pretty early. And so that's what I encourage is, breaking things down into the simple basics. The solid liquid gas, is it a chemical change or a physical change? And you can go a, lot, a long way at home with that. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's like what you're describing is sort of like the, the method of learning, right? It's like find the step one, get that done and then move to the next one. And this is what you're talking about in terms of science. Definitely. And then not even just the uh, content of science, but those skills I was mentioning um, of justifying something you say, like a claim with evidence or finding right. patterns in things. Those are things that kids do all the time. Like this is not like that thing. What's different about it? Um, and I think that being able to say, like, I think all of these things are like this because and then the adult saying, yeah, that is that is a way you could describe this is very empowering to kids. And it reminds them that they can do science. And I think that that's something we tend to not do for them sometimes where it'll be like, no, you're wrong. And then they shut down. And that's the saddest yeah. moment when kids stop being curious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. So tell us a little bit about, so you wrote this book, um, seems like a, a fun book that kids can kind of uh, use. But just walk us through like, you know, what parents can do, whether it's using the book or not, in terms of just kind of like getting their kids introduced to science. Yeah, so obviously I love my book <laughs> and it, um, I think it's a great resource for parents uh, because what I've done in it is the answers are there for the parents if they need them. And it doesn't make, assume that you know something you might not know, and that's okay. Um, not everybody is a chemist and chemist books, books for babies shouldn't be exclusionary just to science 
scientist kids. Um, and so what I've done is I've tried to make it for everybody. And then you don't have to read the whole book and you don't even have to talk about the science. It's, it uses kids toys. And you can talk about solids, liquids, and gases, not even doing science. But if you wanted to, you could pair it with something in the kitchen. And that's what I spend a lot of my time doing is working with parents of things that you don't, you can teach in your house around you that is science to show that science isn't a lab. It's, it's occurring all right. the time around us. It's life. So can you give us some examples of things that parents could do at home? Oh, definitely. Oh, so many. Um, cooking. There are just so many involved with cooking. I personally, I love s'mores. Those are my favorite. So a lot of my activities I do involve s'mores um, or baking. Uh, one of the s'mores activities, even just the concept of making a s'more can demonstrate chemical and physical property changes. So when I break a graham cracker in half, that is a physical change. It's still a graham cracker on both sides. When you put it together, it's still the same. Um, and then you have chocolate and you melt the chocolate. It's still chocolate, but it's liquid. But when it hardens back up, it is still hard chocolate. It's solid. Um, so that's a physical change. But that marshmallow, once it catches on fire and all of its um, delicious glory, it turns black on the outside and it can never turn white again. And that is an example of a chemical change. Um, it's also melting too, because the inside didn't burn and so you've got both of those and you can make this treat and you've talked about two pieces of chemistry while eating your food. <laughs> very cool, very cool. We were actually just making s'mores last night here at the, at the cottage. So uh, that's something that probably I'll, I'll pay more attention to tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, another one that I made in the kitchen was called a stoichiometry bake. And for anyone who is not a chemist, stoichiometry is just the ratio of different ingredients that you have. And when you cook, that's all a recipe is. It's telling you how many of this to that. And what you can do is right. break that recipe out. So if it says to use six cups of something, just use one cup and determine how many of each of the others you need and put them all in bowls. And then your child can take the one. Now, how many of these other things do I need in relation to that? Okay, so we've done one set of that. Okay, let's do another set. And you see how many sets you can make and you can figure out which ingredient is going to limit you and that's your limiting reactant. Um, and you can say like, look, I can't make anymore without changing what happens because it doesn't have enough of all of the, th of the parts. And then you've made cookies that way or a pot, a cake. It's more of a cakey consistency because you have to add right. more egg, but it, um, yeah. that one's really fun. And they're learning about math and ratios and getting this little foundation for chemistry that is pretty tricky to pick up when you're in high school. So I think that just balancing this out is important. Yeah, very cool. You know, because we often just like uh, talk to them about baking cookies, but not about, you know, what is really happening and, and how these things are actually getting made. Yeah. And you think in your kitchen, who doesn't have vinegar and who doesn't have baking soda somewhere in their house? Like, you can do, I have, gosh, I think I've got at least 10 in my head of things you can do with baking soda and vinegar. And it's cheap, it's easy, and the kids love to repeat it. So you can pour baking right. soda and vinegar in a bowl. Watch it, what happens? What happens if I have the baking soda in a clump versus spread out? Um, what does it produce? How can I tell that that's a gas? 
Um, you can put a balloon on top of a bottle after you add them together and collect the gas. Um, there's just so many ways you can go with it. And it's a cheap ingredient that you have at home and you can do a lot with. And I know that as a, as a chemist, yes, there are some really cool reactions out there. And in the best of times, we can do these in a lab in, our, in, in school and show all these wonderful color changes. But we were in a pandemic and this is a reaction that's easily accessible to everybody. And I think it highlighted the fact that we could all do this at home with a simpler chemical um, and leave the fun stuff for school. Like we can do these, these other fun ones at home, but these blues and colors of things that we have to call someone to help us dispose of, like that can stay in school, but we can do this at home. <laughs> homemade ingredients, right? Or home, home ingredients. Exactly. Stuff that's safe and fun and uh, most importantly, accessible. So if you if you had like one um, sort of experiment for parents to walk away with um, to sort of like, you know, get that like reaction from kids, you know, where they're like, just love it. Is there something you can think of or would that be the baking soda and vinegar one? Well, I think the baking soda and vinegar blowing up a balloon, that one is pretty fun when you do it with a bottle. Um, another one that I know parents really like and kids like it's making a lava lamp. Um, what you do okay. is you take a bottle and you fill it with um, about an inch of water and you fill the rest of the bottle or just some, it depends on how much oil you have or want to use, but you need a fair amount of oil. So you want about twice as much oil as you have water, whatever you're doing. And then you add food coloring and none of this is going to mix right away because oil and water don't mix and food coloring and oil do not mix. And so what happens is the food coloring starts to drip down to the water and turn the water that color. You add Alka-Seltzer tablets or citric acid tablets if you do not have Alka-Seltzer, it also works with those. And that reacts with the water to produce carbon dioxide bubbles and that pulls up that food coloring into the oil that doesn't mix and it just keeps rotating around as the bubbles pop, they fall and then they go back up and then they fall. And it's really fun to watch. Oh, very cool. It's just like a glass bottle. Like a, like um, a... I I have my Snapple bottle that I was using. Like you can use any or a clear glass if that's all you've got. And that's what I like to encourage parents when I do my live demos for people. Yeah. That if you don't have what I have, that's fine. Like just use whatever you've got to do it. And so I get messages like, oh, I don't have Alka-Seltzer in my country. Like we have this other product, citric acid tablets. Can we do that? And it's like, let's try it. And so we see, and you'll find that some food colorings, if they're plant-based, sometimes it doesn't work as well. Or yesterday yellow did something funny that I wasn't expecting. So yellow must be made differently than blue and green are. <laughs> right, right, right. But that's the fun of science is like, can we explain what this difference is? What's going on? And that's really cool for your kid to see. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, obviously like parents are not gonna know what's going on, right? Especially if we don't have a chemistry background, but I guess you can just identify like the differences. Well, and I'm saying, I don't know what's going on, what's different between them. And so that's something cool that I need to look up. And if you talk to my four-year-old son, he doesn't say, ha, you don't know that mommy. He's like, oh, let's ask Siri. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Siri or Alexa will know. Yeah, exactly. So I think that one of the things that's different from when I was in school versus when my son is in school is just the availability of information and being wrong. Um, so like I would be mortified if I was wrong in class or if I said I didn't know. 
Um, now, not knowing, we can all look this up very easily at our fingertips. It's very different than, oh, well, let's all go check at the library and get back next week. You know, like this is immediate answers. And I think not knowing an answer is actually really fine. And saying you don't know something is better than trying to just spout off something you don't know. Um, and so I think that's just a, a difference in the generations. Yeah, yeah, we have more access to information. And you know, our kids know that also, right? They, they're very willing to just go Google something if they don't know what it is. Yeah, and I think that's, that's great. I think that knowing that admitting you don't know something is a big skill that a lot of people don't have. And to surround yourself with others who do know that or ask the question to someone who does know, that's an important thing. <laughs> no, that's an excellent point. So Stephanie, tell me, as you've sort of uh, gone through your journey, written this book, what challenges have you kind of faced along the way? I would say entering into worlds that were not my own. So the publishing world, very different than academia. Um, the um, publicist world is very different. Like getting your stuff out there after you wrote it is very different. Going on the news channels is very different. And so it's just like this whole world, social media to navigate that. Yeah. Instagram has its own algorithm and so does TikTok and like figuring out what works, what doesn't, what do people even want? Like making sure you're relevant and things like that. That's just been, that takes a lot of my, uh, my mental energy. <laughs> Yeah, it's like going from a scientist to like now figuring out how to market yourself, right? It is. And it's something that makes me laugh to myself because I think whenever I hear somebody say, oh, when I'm done with that, I'll just go teach. And I'm like, teaching is a lot harder than that. And that always drives me nuts when people say that. But here I expected to write a book and go on Instagram and understand it all. <laughs> so it's, it's what you don't know. Like you think, oh, well, other people do it. It must be easy. And it's like, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's actually a lot of work and there's so much changing around you. But you're definitely learning. And that's what's been really fun about it is I've been approaching it as this learning opportunity that like, you know what? Yeah, this was really hard. And for my next book, if I write one, I know what to do and I know what not to do. And it was a great learning experience either way. Yeah, good for you. That's a great attitude. So Stephanie, um, how has all this changed you? I would say it has made me, it's made me wonder which things I do on a daily basis that other people don't do. <laughs> so like, I didn't realize that asking questions about baking soda and vinegar, like what's inside those bubbles? What do you think happened? And things like that. I didn't realize that that's not what other people do and that that's something really unique to myself. And so I have to take a step back sometimes and be like, okay, so this thing that I take for granted, I guess, I didn't realize that this came easily to me. How can I help other people do this? And that's something I've had to focus in on. Like, how could I, how could I figure that out? And it's just made me question that. And I now approach everything in my life that way. And I look around and I'm like, hmm, what's the basic science behind this concept that I can show people? <laughs> Very cool. You know, I guess it's, it's, it's that curiosity that science allows you to sort of um, learn, right? And maybe for us to teach our children about it. Yeah, um, it's also been really fun. And um, I'd say it's given me a bit of a confidence boost in myself because I am now able to reach out to like pretty 
I wouldn't call them famous, but they're like really good in their field people. So famous in academia or famous in engineering like that. I'm able to reach out to them and say, hey, I'd love to do a project with you. Would you like to share what you do with five-year-olds? And they're like, that's awesome. And I got to talk to an astronaut. It was like really cool to be able to ask him whatever questions we wanted to ask him. Um, so it's been really fun and showing this whole new side of things that I could do if I wanted. <laughs> very cool, very cool. So um, is there one feeling, I ask this question to a lot of guests, is there one feeling that you have as a parent that you would rather not feel? The lack of confidence. I always feel like, am I doing this right? Am I the only one who does it this way? And I just find myself comparing myself to everybody all the time right. on the playground, on Facebook. Like, oh, I don't do that. Should I be doing that? Or is it weird that my kid does this? And it's just like, I always second guess everything I do as a parent, even though nobody knows what they're supposed to do. <laughs> There's no manual with your child. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like self-doubt. Yeah, I need my parenting this specific child for dummies book. <laughs> like that doesn't exist. <laughs> like, you know, there's, no, there's no right way to parent, right? Everyone's got their own way and there's lots of right ways. And yet at the same time, there are some things you're like, no, that's not right. <laughs> right, right, right. Of course, of course. So Stephanie, you know, I talked about in the intro, and we chatted a little bit about kind of, you know, these other skills around science, right? Like problem solving and creativity and things like that. Do you have any thoughts as to how parents can kind of um, encourage kids to sort of think that way? Yeah, I think one of them starts with something that parents themselves might not be confident with is that if you like you people who have a math phobia, like, oh, no, I hated math or oh, chemistry, I had a bad class in that of just knowing that even though you might feel that way, you don't have to feel that way with your kid because your child is young and they do not know things <laughs> like they drop food off of their spoon because they are discovering gravity remember that you know like you know what solids liquids and gases are and you know chemical and physical changes you've got this you can do this um and so and it's okay to admit to your child if you don't know an answer like they are not going to think you're stupid you are still the coolest person to them in the whole world <laughs> so um i think that is one of the most important things that i found that parents really just need a boost in that that like you've got this um and the other is just including it in your day-to-day -day. instead of making it this thing that's um this it's in a lab you have to wear a lab coat to go do it but it's just science is around us like in your garden there are plants growing and that is biology and that's pretty cool like to look at that or in your kitchen you just cooked and that's chemistry or just highlighting that everyday stuff instead of just like oh yeah here's a pharmaceutical company and this they're chemists like that's so far and abstract to them that it then separates this from life and I think the more they see science as a part of their life or I'm just looking at patterns even a lot of art is has math in it and science and so like even pulling that in pulling it as steam instead of just stem you can really show that it's not this this abstract science thing that only scientists can do, it's something that can help us explain everything around us. Yeah, very cool. So it's like, you know, everyday life is, is science. It doesn't have to be anything more than that. Yeah, and everybody can do it. Like, yeah. it's not just for a certain group of people. Right, yeah, makes total sense. So Stephanie, what is your hope for your audience? 
my hope for my audience is that they feel like when they see something on TikTok or Instagram, that they see this fun thing, they don't think, oh, wow, do you think I could do that? And they're like, oh, let's try that. And then do it with your kids and be confident with your kids to do it. Or, you know, like there are a ton of science toys out there that are kits that they send to your house that you can do with your child. Like get those as gifts um, instead of something that's, um, plastic from the store that you know that they'll play with once like this is an experience that you can learn together and you have everything you need with the support of that company that made it like that you can handle it <laughs> right right no absolutely reminds me of uh, a project i did with my uh, 80 year old son where we created this bottle rocket out of a bottle of uh, an empty perrier bottle which is a plastic bottle and a and a and a wine cork and just like a bicycle pump that's so, awesome. And yeah. that was so fun, wasn't it? <laughs> oh my gosh, totally. It's his favorite toy, right? And it's okay if we lose it too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did that with baking soda and vinegar in a rocket like that um, last week. And I accidentally killed all the grass in one spot because it tipped over and all the vinegar fell out. <laughs> oh <my goodness laughs> so that's a good memory for us for a long time until that grows back. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So is that just the baking soda and the vinegar sort of having this reaction and making the bottle kind of uh, take off? Yep, because that carbon dioxide is released and it pops the cork out and shoots it up. Oh, very cool. Maybe that's the project to try. Yeah, that one's a really fun one too. I've got that one on my um, my account as well. <laughs> oh, right on. Okay, so tell us tell us where the audience can get your book and how they can reach you. To get the book, um, it's found on Amazon. If you prefer to go to your local bookstore, they'll need to order it, um, as most bookstores have to order most books these days because they just can't keep everything in stock. Um, but it is available very easily. Um, and then it's available as a, a board book so that very small children can have it without ruining it um, when they drool and chew. Um, but it's also as an ebook, and I've made it 99 cents on all of platforms for the ebook so that it's accessible for everybody. Um, I want to make sure parents have this resource available to them. Um, and then to find me in general is um, let's learn about science.com. Um, it's an ever-changing website. It's soon to be a blog, um, but it also highlights the latest Instagram posts that are going on and TikTok, which um, let's learn about science is TikTok and Instagram. That's the handle for both of those. Okay, nice. Totally awesome. Um, so what we'll do is we will put all those links in the show notes when we actually publish this. That way everyone's going to um, have access to that. Great. Well, thank you so much, uh, Stephanie, for being here. It's been, uh, it's been nice chatting with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen. We would really appreciate if you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or send us any feedback to reachingroots at wishslate.com. Also, download the Wishslate app to help organize wish lists for your family and change the way you gift. You can download this from www.wishslate.com slash download.